Today on the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast, we have a wealth of news, my friends. So much news to talk about. And we have the wonderful Jay Sisson coming on to talk about it. He's my co-host over on Multiverse News. And we thought we'd bring, since there were so many news stories about Marvel, we thought we'd bring them to you. All that after this. Welcome to the Marvel Cinematic Universe Podcast. My name is Matthew Carroll, and with me today is uh, my buddy from Commute the Podcast, Jay Sisson. How you doing, Jay? I'm doing well. Just, uh, you know, covering news on Multiverse News all the time, and just noticed that there was quite a collection of Marvel things that have built up over the last yeah. couple of weeks, and you come to this show for Marvel, so why not get your news here, too? Yeah, man, for sure. And we always do talk about the news, but uh, I was sick last week, and... I don't think I mentioned it here in the feed yet. Maybe I did because we did that uh, uh, episode about the Fantasy League. But, man, last week I was so sick we ended up missing multiple episodes, having to cancel multiple episodes. So uh, I'm glad to be back and catch up on some stuff we missed. So uh, you want to get us into it? Yeah. You want to get us into talking about some some news? Yeah, let's take a look at some headlines. So uh, we're starting with a rumor. Um, and the rumor is about the upcoming Avengers movie, Avengers Kang Dynasty. So originally, Jeff Loveness was attached to write that film, and he wrote Quantumania. But the rumor coming out now is that there has been a shakeup and that he is no longer writing Kang Dynasty. Now, there could be a lot of different reasons for this. There's, uh, well, I mean, one, it's not even confirmed by anyone who you know, works for Marvel Studios, but there could be a lot of reasons for this. It could be just normal industry shakeup. It could be writer strike. It could be maybe we don't really want to build this universe around Kang anymore because of Jonathan Majors, or it could just be, mm -hmm. you know what? People didn't really like Quantumania as much as we thought that they would. So we're not really crazy yeah. about letting uh, this guy helm this movie that maybe we didn't really feel like kind of put out the product that we wanted with quantum mania. So ultimately, uh, like we said, it is a rumor, but it does seem like it's been heavily reported among a lot of people who are really in the loop. Yeah. And it, it makes sense just like from a lot of different perspectives, as you mentioned, it, there's a lot of reasons it might be true on top of it being rumored. So it's one of those rumors that just kind of feels true, you know? Yeah. It just feels true. <laughs> well, I think there will be shakeups with these Avengers movies anyway. I think Kang Dynasty mm -hmm. was slated to come out in 2025, which is yeah. way too soon for that to happen. I mean, we're already halfway through 2023. This movie should start filming soon if they're going to come out in 2025. So I think inevitably you will see both this and the kind of part two to this, the Avengers secret wars. I think you will see those films get delayed, which ultimately maybe, I don't know, could end up being not such a bad thing. I think the lead up to these Avengers films has not been what the lead up to infinity war and Endgame were. And maybe these properties do need a little bit more time to breathe a little bit. Yeah, I definitely see that perspective, but I just keep thinking about like, that El Capitan theater moment like 10 years ago when Marvel called it shot and it was like, we're going to do these 10 movies and they just freaking did it. Like there were a couple changes here and there, but like it was so close to what they'd planned out. And so they hit so many of their targets and like, it just seemed like they had this like plan and this like machine that was the Marvel studio and it just like moved really well through that and then as soon as infinity uh saga ended 
we got a uh, a, a pandemic and that like rocked the universe. And now we have a writer's strike and Jonathan Major's shakeup is going on. So it's like, it just feels like they can't catch a break. And it just feels like thing after thing after thing just keeps hitting uh, into the universe. And it makes, uh, it makes it hard to continue telling cohesive stories when you can't really count on what's going on, you know? Yeah, I think it is kind of hard to focus on the content with so much of it, too. I mean, really, it does seem like we haven't been that long away from Endgame, but really, uh, years-wise, it hasn't been that much. But think about all the content that's been packed into this short amount of time, and then think about the Mm -hmm. spreading out of content that there was leading up to Infinity War and Endgame. Now, you didn't have the Disney Plus kind of going on during that time either, but I think almost it's almost one of those things like I think casual people who follow these movies and these shows, they aren't as in lockstep with the whole universe as maybe fans are, right? So if you're listening to this podcast, you're obviously a Marvel fan. You've probably watched every episode of everything that's ever been put out. But I think a lot of casual fans have not kept up with every single Disney Plus show. Maybe they caught the Spider-Man movie and maybe they caught, you know, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy or something since Endgame. But overall, they haven't been just like, boom, every Miss Marvel every week, and then Loki every week, and Hawkeye every week, and maybe they're feeling mm-hmm. a little bit overwhelmed by this massive lead-up so fast to these big Avengers movies. Yeah, very true, very true. So, I guess I guess we'll wait and see, but I can't imagine they're going to hit these targets with, uh, with 20, 25 and 26 because it's just they're just not there yet. I mean, we, it, like they don't have a writer or director for some of these movies, and two years is just a really tight timetable. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it's happening. I think these will be pushed yeah. back for sure. Which, if if it like you said, if it gives them the space they need, like part of what I think made Phase Four harder to follow for a lot of people and just sort of busy for a lot of people was that there was a lot of built up content from COVID. So like COVID happened, it, 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 they stored a lot of content and then the rollout didn't happen the way they planned. So the, so the shows came out out of order. I'm pretty sure the timetable was truncated. So it just feels like that all hit us really fast, one after the other after the other. I think that if they do need to move things around because of whatever shakeups are happening, whether it be the Jonathan Major stuff or it's just, you know, writer strike and just basic production issues, I think they'd be smart to like just plan it out how you need to plan it out for that hype train to be building towards the next thing. Cause I think like the way it's been, we have not had a smooth hype train happening. Everything's kind of stacked on top of each other and they need to, you know, figure out what the hype train looks like in a world where they can make so much properties for Disney Plus, you know. Yeah, the lead up to Infinity War and Endgame was probably the most effective hype train in history. I mean, it I mean oh, it blew absolutely. up to, to just these massive levels of people of excitement of getting people on board and saying, "Yeah, I want to catch up on 10 years of movies or whatever to like go mm-hmm. see these big movies." And I don't think that there's that same energy right now around these Avengers Kang Dynasty and Avengers Secret Wars and that's for a lot of different reasons. It's not just because the movies are or bad or whatever, but I think Marvel Studios is very aware of that, that there has to be some thought about how they're going to build this universe without just diving right in before it's ready for the big crossover event stuff. Yeah, absolutely, man. All right, so we have some release dates. Um, We have release dates for Loki. 
uh, which is coming on October Ooh. 6th. It's going to be a weekly release. And uh, we have a release date for Echo, which is going to be dropping in its entirety uh, in November on the 29th. Man. I mean, obviously, the thing that stands out to me is that Echo is going to be all at once. And I hate that. Yeah. I hate it so much. <laughs> just really, really don't want it to happen. Um, I, I just really like the water cooler thing. I mean, it's like why we have this podcast network because a big part of why we watch these shows is to connect with our friends over them, you know? Yeah. Um, and without that week to week schedule and everybody's being, uh, able to watch the same episodes at the same time, just feels like it's going to feel disconnected, you know? Yeah, I mean, if the writer strike keeps going, this might not be an all at once release. <laughs> this might be broken That's up over a weeks. Good point. That's a good point. They might get a little desperate and be like, "Yeah, that once a week thing. We we, we lied. We we were, we were joking." The we frame joking. it. They'll be like, "We heard you all. We heard that you didn't want this all at once, and we decided yeah. that we would treat you all <laughs> to a weekly release." Yeah, we care about what the fans think, and we want to do what you say, not. Just you know, let's let's divide it up even because... more. Let's go twelve episodes. Let's split those hour episodes in half. Let's just really <laughs> draw this thing out. No, you heard us too loud. <laughs> uh, so Deadpool t- uh, three, almost said two. Deadpool yeah. three has started filming as of this week. Ooh, Deadpool three, eh? Now I guess the real question is though, like how long can it keep filming? Because the writer's strike of it all is kind of an elephant in the room. Uh, I was reading a report the other day that there's some conversation around if Ryan Reynolds is actually allowed to ad lib during the writer's strike, because technically ad libbing would be writing new material for a movie. And there's kind of a question Mm -hmm. there hovering over like, I don't think he's allowed to do this, which is a key part of what he does. If you've ever read anything about Ryan Reynolds, he ad-libs his Deadpool character a lot. So I Mm -hmm. think if you see that production and filming on this movie has stopped in the next couple of weeks, I just would not be that surprised by that news. Yeah, for sure. And that, um, I, I, I don't know how I feel about that. Part of me is like, that feels like an overstep on the writer's guild. Like you can't keep an actor from ad libbing. Like that's, that feels like a different part of the job. You know, it's not the same thing as sitting down like actors ad lib all the time, just because they're in the moment of the character calling them writers feels weird, but there it's a slippery slope. And Deadpool is probably on the wrong side of that slope. You know what I mean? Like Deadpool is a character that, uh, from what I've read and seen, like they do tons of takes. It's, they do it that sort of like, um, oh gosh, what's that actor's name? What's that director's name who did all, like Anchorman and stuff? Uh, not not it's not Judd Apatow, right? No, it's it's. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, it's the same guy who did like The Big Short, um, and like other more prestigious movies lately. Adam McKay. Yes, that's it. Thank you. He he recently did Don't Look Up. Yeah. And uh and the big short. Um he, he I love his stuff. Uh but he with with those Anchorman movies, they were able to put out a whole second movie. Do you remember this? Yeah. <laughs> they like released an entirely different movie because it was basically the scenes they'd filmed and then they just like went a different way with the improv and the scenes ended up so differently that they like made a whole nother movie worth of content 
and put it out as like a DVD release or whatever. Yeah, a lot, just, a lot more yeah. of that goes on in the film industry than maybe people realize too. Like shooting of deleted scenes and shooting of all that type of stuff. Like there's a whole thing about there's a whole f- scene of uh, Hawkeye dying on Vormir instead of Black Widow that was filmed. Like oh stuff, yeah, yeah, like yeah, stuff yeah, like yeah. that is constantly happening where uh, you've got different takes and let's try this and let's try that and let's just have it all on the table so having the writer strike does sort of threaten that type of stuff because a lot of those ideas happen organically on set they're not written into the script Mm -hmm. like hey shoot this three different ways it's just written away but then you have a writer come in and say you know what i think maybe we should try this and then they look at it all and they decide what should go in the film and what shouldn't well you can't really do that if there's a writer strike so i think ad-libbing i see what you're saying but even bigger than ad-libbing it's like you you kind of are tying a hand behind your back a little bit and making the movie that you want to oh, make. Oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah, like, if you don't... I mean, like I said, I understand why they do it, and I it's definitely a slippery slope, but I also, like, feel like it's it's, it's hampering more than just the writers, but, like, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, like, I think in the end it makes absolute sense why they want to draw that line. Obviously, the writers want to draw that line because they need that bargaining power to be even stronger. Yeah. Speaking of... Uh, Thunderbolts has stopped production due to the writer strike. Oh, <laughs> I, I support the writers. I do support the writers. <laughs> Just keep. I saying support it. the unions. <laughs> I support the unions. Support these people's hard work. That's all I have to say about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's shut down. It's not going to start again until the writer strike is over, which. There's no news whatsoever about when that can be. There's been no reporting of the sides meeting or even being close on coming together on some sort of agreement. And with the writer's strike, it's we don't know what it's going to do uh, to the MCU and other films because it's not over yet. And we're not going to have the answers of how it's going to impact all of these productions until it's actually over. You think about it like a rock being thrown in a lake. Right now, the ripple coming out from that is not very big, but as mm-hmm. the months go on, it will continue to get bigger and you'll feel that for years and years, depending on how long it will go. So if it gets resolved next week, you're probably not going to see release date shift that much and things will probably look the way that people want them to look but if it goes on for 10 months or 15 months or whatever like yeah you're gonna feel it you're not gonna see a lot of content for a long time and the content that you are gonna see is gonna be kind of compromised yeah it's it's so frustrating because if it is just like a little ripple it's it'll almost be an imperceptible thing but the shows might just be a little worse yeah for it you know what i mean like it's not like they're even changing dates if the ripple is small, if they change dates, it's like, okay, we need more time to accommodate these problems. If they just like let it be a small ripple and they just try to do make the dates anyway, uh, let's, let's say it wraps in six months and they're like, all right, let's get back, let's get to work. It's like, then they might just be slightly imperceptibly worse. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you can't ever <laughs> tell if a movie was bad because, well, yeah, they only had, it's, it's like, it's the COVID thing, man. Like. So a lot of shows had to shut down and had to had to like film weird and like all that kind of stuff and you just like get around and you're like well we'll give them that's the covid year yeah. like it's fine like that was that that season was rough because of covid but like it just sucks man I hate that too like it, even on the press tours it's like well we didn't get to do what we wanted to do because of covid it's like well that's lame because right. <laughs> now I have to watch it and it's not as good as it perceivably could have been but if you were around during the last rider strike that happened in 
around the year 2007, which I was, and I was a huge fan mm-hmm. of Lost. And and I talked about this on Multiverse News, but like you definitely felt the writer strike in Lost. Like they had to parse mm-hmm. up the season, they had to split it up. The cliffhanger was super lame before you got to the next season. Like. And the cliffhangers are always great at the end of Lost. And uh, it just was annoying because it was like, oh, yeah, that's just because of the writer's strike. We know this sucks, but it's the writer's strike. You guys get it, right? (laughs) And I just don't want to see that with projects anymore. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, here it is. And come buy it and watch it. But also, it's not that good. But we did our best with the writer's strike or whatever. But, you know, this is part of having an interconnected universe. This is the uh, there's good and there's bad. This is the bad. Sometimes the gambles don't pay off. Yeah, 100%. For me, it was Heroes, so I definitely feel your pain. And I mean, I was a big Lost fan, too. But uh, I guess I didn't... I'm sure I noticed at the time, but Heroes was always like my prime example because it just came back and it was just... The writing just changed drastically and was so weak. Yeah. All right, well, we're talking a little Venom news. Are we allowed to do that on the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast? <sighs> Man, I guess so. <laughs> I guess so. This story particularly pisses me off a little yeah. bit. But yeah, let's do yeah. it. Let's do it. You want to get nuts? Let's get nuts. <laughs> so Venom 3 has added some star power to their cast. And uh, among the names are Juno Temple, which if you know her, it's probably from Ted Lasso. And Chiwetel Ojiofor, who plays Baron Mordo in Doctor Strange, has joined the cast of Venom 3 in an unnamed role. And it's probably not Baron Mordo. If you thought that the connectivity was going to be strong, I think it's probably just going to be a different character. That is such a weird and a bummer thing. First, let me address the Juno Temple of it all. Uh, Keely Jones from Ted Lasso is one of my favorite characters on that show. I love her, and her in Venom feels perfect somehow. Like, like yeah. I definitely think she's going to have a symbiote suit of some kind, and I think she's going to be awesome because she just has that sort of wild energy. Yeah. Um, and I and I really would love to see her like going full on. Um, like I'd like to see her maybe in a Venom suit and maybe as some sort of protagonist. You know what yeah. I mean? Uh, a symbiote, not a Venom suit. Sorry. Uh, you know. Um, but the Baron Mordo of it all. Come on. Should we tell <laughs> Like, what are you doing? What are you doing? You know, Jay Scotty said the same thing on Multiverse News. And I'm going to tell you what I told him. Let Chiwetel yeah. get his money. Yeah. I just don't <laughs> see it, man. I don't. Like, you already got your Marvel money from over there. Like, why you got to do it twice? Why you got to do it twice and make the universe confusing? Of course, this doesn't necessarily break the universe. We know variants are a thing. It's definitely possible two characters could look similar. And also, it's a world of big CGI monsters and symbiotes. Who knows if he'll even be a person? Like, he could be some other creature or something. He could be Chuyatel's voice acting on something. Um, Or, you know, like... He could be playing Smaug or whatever. <laughs> um, you know, if you try to do too many mental gymnastics with the multiverse, you'll just drive yourself crazy. Like you might as well just put a screwdriver through your ear or something like <laughs> rather than do all that. I mean, Jay, are you new? This is what we do here. <laughs> you just got to embrace the chaos of it all. Like, you know, <laughs> hey, that guy looks like the guy so from true. the Marvel. Uh, don't talk about it. It's it's a different guy. Yeah, he just yeah, looks yeah. similar. Different. Different guy. This is uh, him in the multiverse if he did this thing rather than this thing. Like he stepped yeah, on exactly. a nail one day and it caused him to do this instead or something. Baron Mortar is like his weird wizard name. Yeah. He's actually like Chuck Smith yeah. or whatever. See, we did it. <laughs> it's all fine. We did it. Head cannon wrapped up. Yeah. <laughs> 
All right, let's uh, let's dive into the rumor mill for fantastic forecasting, which I hate myself for talking about fantastic forecasting again because, like, I'm so tired of fantastic four fan casting, and I just pray. It's been happening for a I long time. I pray for the day time. that Comic Con happens and they finally just bring these four people on stage and they're like, here they are, and then people can just get mad or happy or whatever. But if rumors are to be believed, <laughs> yeah. the Fantastic Four is set. And it is Adam Driver as Reed Richards, Margot Robbie as Sue Storm, Paul Mescal as Johnny Storm, and David Diggs as Ben Grimm, a.k.a. The Thing. So what are your thoughts on that potential casting? It's just almost too much information <laughs> to like process. Um, and The name that stands out to me, because I had not heard it rumored at all until this, is David Diggs, yeah, um, who I love, uh, played Jefferson in Hamilton, and I just love him from that and always will. Um, and he's got a really great voice, really great voice, yeah. And that that makes sense for this because this will be mostly like a voiceover role, you know. Once you yes. get past the whole "I'm Ben Grimm, but now I'm the Thing" or whatever. He just got to pop into the studio and do his David Diggs voiceover, which he's most of his work in Hollywood has been voiceover. So, oh, pop yeah, him into the booth. I mean, he was just in Little Mermaid during vo- during mm-hmm. doing voiceover. So it it does make sense. Yeah, yeah, I think he and I, I I've seen him in a couple of other things where he wasn't singing and like doing voiceover typing, and he's great, great yeah. actor. Um, so I think he could bring something really cool to the role. I'm in on him. Margot Robbie, I could not be happier about if that's the truth. Yeah. Like Margot Robbie, I, I think she has brought so much life to Harley Quinn, but even before that, like she is amazing. You know, Wolf of Wall Street kind of broke her. Um, and like I think that movie's awesome. And she brings a ton of life to that. I just saw her in uh oh gosh, what's the movie called? But it's like the old Hollywood Margot uh, Robbie movie. Once you know upon a time in Hollywood? No. Is that it? Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? No, but I can look She was in book. that movie, though, right? Babylon. Babylon. It was Babylon. Oh, shoot. What is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? What even is that? That's the one with, like, Leo and Brad Pitt. Yes. Leo and Brad Pitt. Is she not in that movie? I don't believe so. Oh, yeah, she is. She's Sharon Tate. Okay. So I'm oh, not, she I'm was. I'm not crazy. I thought I was crazy. No, not, not crazy don't at all. Don't gaslight me, Matt. <laughs> no, I didn't remember her being that, and that's funny. Um, I went, I randomly went to see that. I had no idea what it was or what it was about. And I also had no idea the true crime story of Sharon Tate at all. Like, I didn't know anything about that, that movie. Um, and I would just went to see it because I was just like trying to waste time one afternoon. And like, then I sort of, I sort of slowly caught on <laughs> as the movie was going on. I was like, wait, I've heard bits and pieces of this story before, but this isn't, it's, it's very, it was a very strange experience because I won't, I won't spoil it, but it does something weird. And and as I'm watching it, I'm like, wait, this is is this how it actually happened, or is this something they're yeah. making up, or whatever? Like it was it was weird. Um, but no, uh, Margot Robbie's freaking awesome. Babylon's the one I was trying to think of. Babylon, she recently was in that and really just like stole the show. Yeah. Also, Brad Pitt in that one as well. And like Margot Robbie is just being crazy. Um, like <laughs> she's just so good at being like big and bold and crazy. The only thing that concerns me is putting that sort of like, I don't know. I don't know what her real voice even sounds like. Isn't she British? Um, 
I don't know much about her or is she life actually... outside of... I'm about to Wikipedia Margot Robbie. Hold on. <laughs> Born 1990? I'm older than Margot Robbie? What? Yeah, man. What's going on? Oh, she's from Australia. You were right. Yeah. Well... <laughs> Well, kind of. I mean, they used to be British. It's is she, whatever. Is she British? Uh, all of the Australian listeners, the sound that you just heard is them turning this off right now. They're like, I'm, I'm done with this podcast forever. You were right. She's Australian. <laughs> it's really funny. Um, no, but yeah, I, I, knew, I knew she had an accent when I've seen her in interviews. But it seems like in all the things that I really love her from, she's like this New Jersey hothead. And so like... Yeah, <laughs> I don't know how that's going to translate to like, I don't know. I haven't seen her in much, except she's always this sort of like low class New Jersey hothead, like in all the stuff I've seen her in. And I just like, don't, I love that role for her, but I haven't seen her in much where she's not that. And so I'm interested to see who, who Sue Storm is yeah. in this, because I, I don't know after I've seen her be Harley Quinn and be so amazing at it. Do I want them to tone her down and make her be like, like, I just, I have a vision of Sue Storm that is di- very different than my vision of Margot Robbie and who she's played up till now in the movies I've seen. Yeah. And so I love her. I think she's awesome. Um, and I'm totally on board with that. What do you, th- what do you think of these? Um, I'm really surprised if Adam Driver is Reed Richards, that he is signing up for a multi-year franchise again, because it does mm-hmm. seem like he w- left the Star Wars franchise after playing Kylo Ren as just really frustrated person. <laughs> like he was not happy uh, in the Rise of Skywalker press tour. He did not seem like the whole like fan thing and just the way that people took ownership over his role from the other side of the screen. Like he just didn't really seem to be in this idea of franchises. And I kind of thought going forward, based on the roles that he's been in, that he was intentionally moving away from big franchises. So that's that's the one that stands out to me as just interesting because assigning up as this character, you are signing up to be that next Robert Downey Jr. type person uh, in the cinematic universe. And, um, you know, I just didn't think that he would be down for that. Yeah, it's a really, really good point. Um, I just, maybe though, it's, maybe it's a redemption thing. Like, I feel like Kylo Ren wasn't well received by a lot of fans. Um, you know, he was like Darth Vader light, like kind of like this, like <laughs> he wasn't, he was this kind of whiny character. Like, you know, he's played for laughs. He's the dark, he's the new Darth Vader, but he's played for laughs when he like, you know, hacks up that control board and you just feel like yeah. he's throwing a fit. Every time I've seen that, I've laughed. And in the theater, like yeah. it got laughs. And it's like, he's just not as threatening. And it's, I understand that's part of his arc and he's not necessarily supposed to be. Um, but I can, I can imagine if he thinks he's joining Star Wars and he's going to be this big character, like maybe he wants another crack at like pulling that off. Maybe the reason he wasn't having fun is because it was getting a lot of negative reaction all the way through that, that sequel trilogy. Yeah. Well, and the most interesting thing they did with him in the second movie where they had him destroy his helmet and kill his master and make a, a play for power. Then they just turned right around and changed all that at the, in the first 10 minutes of the next film. You know, there was a lot of rewriting yeah. and there was a lot of behind the scenes shakeups and all this type of stuff going on. And I think the whole cast left that thing, not happy. So, yeah. you know, Daisy Ridley and John Boyega, like none of these people are happy 
leaving that franchise. The one that kills me is freaking Mark Hamill. Like some of the interviews with him is just so brutal. Yeah. Where he's like, <laughs> he's just like straight up like, this isn't the movie I would have made. It's not my movie. These guys wrote it. I didn't write it. Like he's just like so, this isn't the Luke Skywalker. He talks about how he had to pretend it was a different character that he was playing. This is like, this is probably some other Skywalker. This isn't Luke Skywalker. This is what he would do at all. And then Harrison Ford was like, just don't ask me anything. I'm just here for the money. Like, just, yeah. Like I told him they had to kill me early and I'm not going to be in any more of these things. And somebody like dared ask him anything about the force. He's like, I don't know what the hell the force is. Leave me alone. Give me money. Stab me with a lightsaber. (laughs) Now we haven't talked about Paul Uh, Beskow, but he's kind of a up and comer. He'll be a household name in a couple years. He got an Oscar nod. Uh, he's right now set to star in the Gladiator sequel that Ridley Scott is making as kind of like, I think, the successor to Joaquin Phoenix's character from the first Gladiator movie as like the emperor, kind of like the main villain of that story. So you'll be hearing a lot more of him. So somebody like that does make sense in that kind of role. Right. I, I mean, like, one of the things that is kind of shocking about this is if they do go with all or like mostly known names you know like i feel like the mcu has mostly pulled um i mean i don't know i I, i'm trying to like decide if i feel this way as i'm saying the sentence um (laughs) but a lot of times they they for these characters they pull you know lesser known actors and actresses and it's like for the fantastic four do you want that or do you want something that like feels like it has gravitas to it yeah yeah, I mean Adam Driver and Margot Robbie. That's about as a list as you can get in a uh, in a film like this. Yeah, we covered Batman, 1989's Batman, over on Binger's Assemble this week, and uh, it's not out yet. It'll sh- it'll be out probably today when this drops. Um, but like we were kind of talking about how like the the legacy of one movie makes the next movie harder to make. Like if it's really good. It makes the next version of that character has to live up to the previous version, you know. For sure. Every version of the Joker will be compared to Heath Ledger from now on, you know. And Jack Nicholson and like Cesar Romero or whatever, like all the way back. You like you're constantly comparing these previous versions of these characters. Um and Batman's one of those, Joker's one of those. Um I feel like Fantastic Four has had such a spotty past. There's not nearly the like I don't know. The bar to clear. Yeah, you're pretty the much good. The bar to clear is low. <laughs> you're pretty much good. You pretty much just make the movie you want to make. No one's going to be looking back and being like, you know what? This Sue Storm doesn't really match up to Kate Mara's version of Sue Storm. Yeah, like, exactly. Most people don't even know that movie exists. Except for me right now, what I'm saying, like, <laughs> this is not the vision of Sue Storm that I have. Yeah. My vision of Margot Robbie and my vision of Sue Storm are very different. But I'm not a big comics reader of the Fantastic Four. And so, like... It really is based on those roles, like like you know Kate Mara and uh, who was it in the nineties? Jessica Alba 2000s. got in there. Yeah, yeah, Jessica Alba. That's Jessica Alba. So like that's where my brain is, like how Sue Storm should be, but like that's that's not necessarily true at all. Like they could go totally different with it, and uh, really only piss off the comics readers. I feel like I don't think anyone's holding on to either of those actresses and being like. This is the quintessential Sue Storm. This is the quintessential Reed Richards. There was a story going around. Uh, it's NFL offseason, which is the time whenever players are kind of more scrutinized for what they're doing in public and not on the football field. And uh, one of the rookies, or he was a rookie last year for the New York Jets, 
was at a basketball game with Aaron Rodgers, the quarterback of the New York Jets, and um, he didn't know he's like 23 years old and he did, had no clue who Jessica Alba was. Like, and so it made headlines. <laughs> like, Aaron Rodgers was like, You don't know, because Aaron Rodgers is like 40 years old. He's like, You don't know who Jessica Alba is? He's like, I've never heard of that person before in my life. And all these people were like, What? Like, all these people who are in their 30s are like, Am I old now <laughs> that I know who this person is and this 23 year old kid has never heard of Jessica Alba? Yeah, it's really funny those like dividing lines of what people know and people don't know. Um, and yeah, being around a 12 year old lately has uh, really. <laughs> made that starkly clear <laughs> that that's like a weird thing man now what's gonna be funny is we just had this whole conversation and in july when they do san diego comic-con they're gonna be like introducing your fantastic four and they're just gonna bring out four people that aren't these four people we're just gonna be like well, yeah okay that was absolutely possible remember when we thought it was adam driver <laughs> of course he <laughs> wouldn't have done that why did we think that why were we fooled why were <laughs> we fooled so moving on, uh, Runaways, which was, I guess, MCU adjacent. I don't know. I'm not going to try to do all the connective uh, whiteboard stuff to figure out if it is or not. But Runaways has been removed from Hulu in the content purge to merge Hulu and Disney Plus together. And it is no mm. longer streaming anywhere. I hate that it's no longer streaming anywhere. Um, but it doesn't really connect to the MCU. So like from an MCU perspective, I'm like, all right, whatever. I yeah. guess that's fine. Like they use time travel differently. The the president's a different person. Like they mentioned Obama as president when <laughs> it should have been president. Uh, gosh, I can't remember the president's name from Avengers or whatever, but like Lacey or something. I don't know. I can't remember. Um, but yeah, they, they they just like it just they just didn't do the work to make it line up with uh, the MCU. Yeah. So it's like fine. Like this, it's like a few years after Avengers. And an alien aliens come to Earth, and one of the kids is like, "It's amazing! It changes our entire the way we have to think about humanity because aliens exist." And it's like, also, didn't they attack New York two years ago? Like, what are you? Why are you freaked out that aliens exist? Because the Chitari <laughs> should have attacked in this universe. They're like trying to write the plot of Arrival, but for the yeah, cinematic exactly. universe. And like, no, you missed it. The the aliens attacked already. <laughs> Well, if you are a Runaways fan, R.I.P. I don't know if you'll ever yeah, be able to real. watch it again, which is sad. Pour one shot of this chloroseptic spray out for Runaways. <laughs> oh, gosh, I hate it. All right, a couple more, and then we'll be wrapped up. Uh, first one, real quick, early reviews of Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. I think the embargo on reviews drops maybe tomorrow or Wednesday uh, on on when people can actually like fully review the film. Uh, but so far the early impressions have been extremely positive with uh, a lot of people even saying that they liked it better than the first one, which is pretty crazy. That's crazy. But this is one of those, we were just talking about living up to a predecessor and this was a movie that is going to be hard to live up to. Yeah. Um, and uh, I don't know animation and the guys who made uh, the, the first one into the spider verse, they really had so they made it with so much care and I, I feel like they're putting that same amount of care into the second one. And that's to this, that like is a recipe for success. And so I'm excited. Yeah. I have been open on other stranded Panda shows before that. I don't rewatch things, but I yeah. also have three small children and they demand that I rewatch things a lot. So I do rewatch <laughs> a lot of like Paw Patrol and stuff like that. You know, one movie that I have had to rewatch a lot is Spider-Verse. And I, 
appreciate it so much more every time I watch it because I see mm. so much. There's so much going on in that movie that you can't yeah, get the first sure. time. You have to rewatch it uh, to, to get a grasp of what it is. So the idea that this movie is going to be on that level or even more is is impressive. And I'm really excited to yeah. see what happens with it this weekend when it comes Me out. Me too. I can't wait to see it. Uh, another covering it over on Animation Deliberation yeah. for sure. I wanted to cover it on Bingers this year, but the uh, we're doing this week on Bingers. We're doing Batman, Indiana Jones, and Mission Impossible. We're doing recordings on all three of those things, and it's just like yeah, too many binges happening, and, and we couldn't get this one in. Source Pages did a thing on it, too. They went back and read a bunch of comics that were sort of like Miles yeah, Morales right. and stuff, and they put out a primer. So, you know, check those. That's out. right. Yeah, check it out. It's probably, that, that's already up, I'm sure. All right, so last thing. I mean, we got to, I guess, talk a little bit about Jonathan Majors. It wouldn't be a Marvel Cinematic Universe news podcast if we didn't talk about Indeed. Jonathan Majors. Uh, so there was a there's a writer named Joanna Robinson, and she is a writer for Vanity Fair. She also is writing a book about the MCU currently. So she's very well connected oh. with people in Marvel. And she went on a podcast recently called The Big Picture and was asked about Jonathan Majors. So I'm just going to read you her quote. And we'll just kind of see if we agree with what she's saying about the future of the MCU. Now, a lot of these things that she's saying, she's not really trying to say like, well, they're going to do this. She She's very open that she doesn't know what's going to happen. But I think there's a lot of like interesting tidbits in this. So let me just read you the quote. It's a little lengthy, but let me read you the quote and we'll just kind of talk about it. This will be the last thing. So she said, I was told by someone who works for Marvel, it was not the plan to make Kang the center of everything until they saw the dailies from Quantum Mania and after his performance in Loki, which was so strong, they were like, this is it. This is our way forward. We've lost our varsity hero team, but let's set up around this guy Kang and this performer that so many people are reacting to. We know this is a huge problem for them and that they are facing and grappling with right now. And what's unprecedented in this for Marvel is, and I would argue they have never hung so much of a franchise on one actor as they tried to hang it on Jonathan Majors after his Loki performance and his Quantumania performance. I would argue more than Downey as Iron Man, more than Brolin as Thanos, that hanging everything on this guy is then going to pop up in all of their properties leading up to something called the Kang Dynasty has put them in a very unusual position. They don't usually hang this much on one person in the way that they did here, and that has put them in the bind. We do not know what they are going to do. I've heard conflicting stories about they're going to replace him, they're not even considering replacing him, et cetera, et cetera, but it's just one more thing. Mm. So I thought there were a couple interesting tidbits in there. I think the idea of hanging the whole franchise on him and how Marvel usually doesn't do that. They only do that in a couple instances. And in this case, it seems like that bet hasn't paid off. I thought that was an interesting kind of tidbit. And then I think yeah, just absolutely. the idea that like insiders don't even know that there's a direction here. I think that tells us that Marvel Studios doesn't even know what they're going to do about this going forward. I think a lot of this has to do with how are people going to react to Loki? We know that Jonathan Majors is all over that series. So how are people going to mm. react to that? Maybe that's going to inform what happens going forward. Yeah, that's a really good point. They do have this sort of like test balloon that no one's going to blame them for putting out. If that makes sense, yeah. like it's already done. They're going to put it out and like, see how, see how the world responds. 
Yeah, if mm. you're looking for the legal system to give you clarity, like I think a lot of people when they talk about this story, they're like, well, he's having a case soon and then everything will be presented and he'll be found guilty. And if he's found guilty, then they'll just recast him. But if they say not guilty, then like everything's cool and everything's going to be fine and we can just roll on the train. But it's not going to be that clear. It's just not. Like it's going yeah. to be a case that's probably going to be weirdly messily settled in a way that's not really going to give you clarity. And I'd say the amount of clarity that you have now is probably the amount of clarity that you're ever going to have about this situation. Yeah, I think you're unfortunately correct um, in that mm, I'm on record as like I'm a huge fan of Jonathan Major's performances, but you know, I, it's obviously you have to do. Um, you know the right thing uh, with charges like this, and and at least be thoughtful about how you move forward. Um, I don't know, just such a such a crazy thing. It's it's so unprecedented <clears throat> across anything that's yeah. ever happened. Like, and what she was saying, like taking this entire franchise that is a multi billion dollar franchise, like Avengers Endgame yeah. made almost like two and a half billion dollars. And you're just yeah. going to go out and you're going to hang this whole thing. You're going to push it all in the center of the table on one actor that you can rally around. And then for this to happen, like that has never happened in entertainment ever. And so mm. navigating it, there's not a way to do it. It's just going to have to be what we're going to watch is going to be the first and time that this is ever going to happen. So it's going yeah. to be unprecedented all across the board. And it's going to be one of those things that like, will uh, what lessons will marvel learn from this you know what i mean like how will it change the way that they move forward um and the the kinds of decisions they make in the future because they don't want to get in this bind again you know yeah elizabeth olsen came out this week on uh somebody was interviewing her for her show on hbo max called love and death and uh, oh, they yeah. asked her about the whole Scarlet Witch stuff. And she said, you know, my advice to anybody who's joining in Marvel is to sign one movie deals. Like, don't sign multi-movie deals. Give yourself control, give yourself power, and give yourself negotiating power going forward. And I think you will start to see maybe both ends of the, the party, both ends of the table doing that. The agent saying, hey, look, we don't want to sign up uh, this person who's going to pop in this movie to a six movie deal or whatever. And then by the time they get to the fifth movie, they're a major movie star. We don't want to buy in, but also on the other end of the table, Marvel sitting there like, do we really want to sign this guy for like six movies? And then some thing happened in the news. And then all of a sudden we have to figure out like we have to replace him through the multiverse or something crazy, you know? So I think, I don't know. I think you're seeing, you're going to see some shifting going on in the industry because of this type of stuff. I don't, I don't see Marvel changing their tactics on how they lock people in as long of a contract as they can because they can always just decide to drop it like those contracts are one way you know what i mean like those yeah. contracts are we agree you're you agree you're in this movie these next six movies if we decide not to make those movies they're not paying that guy out for missed i mean sometimes the contracts are structured that way but the power differential is so crazy now with marvel kind of hitting a slump here and there and like uh, you know, things not going as well for them. Like, yeah, maybe you do start seeing some people have better bargaining power, especially people like, you know, Adam driver and Margot Robbie. I bet they will, sh uh, 
they may not sign shorter deals, but they'll sign really good deals. Yeah, um, they'll yeah, make a lot sure. of money to be in those movies. Well, and I mean, we've seen we've seen it's not all been pretty. It's mostly been good, but you've seen the Scarlett Johansson thing happen around Black Widow and the money yeah. made from. I mean, that's a good example of Marvel not always having kind of the matching up of contract versus payout versus what the actor's going to get and stuff like that. So yeah, this is not. I mean, it's a completely different situation, but this idea of just like, it's not always as simple as just, we'll sign them up and they'll just keep coming back for movie after movie after movie. You know, things happen. Oh yeah, for sure, man. Hmm. And uh, that kind of concludes our look at the news uh, in Marvel over the past couple weeks. Well, dude, thanks for bringing that. And uh, thanks for bringing it and presenting it to us. I've been so sick. We've missed like a couple recording sessions on the MCU cast and the feed has just been so sad. I don't like it when it's sad. I like, well, did we really make anybody happy? Cause we told them that like all their movies are delayed and like Chiwetel Ogia four is in venom three. So we yeah, maybe made true. people more mad. Come on, Chiwetel. I've been a <laughs> champion of yours for a long time and this is some BS. I don't know. I'm all about people doing like actor jury duty and just collecting that money. You know, just get it, just get it. Yeah. Get it, uh, get it while you can. I guess. <laughs> I guess. Screw that. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, Jay, tell the people where they can find you online. Well, uh, as we've mentioned on this podcast, you can find me on Multiverse News, where we cover kind of like what we did here, but we also have a few more co-hosts, and we have a few more universes and a few more stories. And um, are there some things from this that you'll hear on there? Yeah, but just go in and listen to the rest of it, too, uh, because it's a fun podcast. So uh, you can find me there. Uh, You can also find me on Commute the Podcast, which is my weekly educational show that I do with uh, my friend Dave, where we go through some interesting things that catch our attention and we write some segments and we try to cram it all into about 20 minutes. So um, just kind of a podcast set up for your commute to work. So go check out multiverse news and commute the podcast. Awesome, man. Uh, yeah. I highly recommend commute the podcast guys. And I, I, I would say I highly recommend multiverse news, which I do, but it's very self-serving because I'm ne- also nepotism. on that. Yeah. yeah well, <laughs> check out, check out multiverse news though. We've been really having a great time making that show. Um, and, uh, yeah, well, I'm sure we'll be like randomly having those guys over here and doing this stuff like this with Jay and talking over here on the MCU cast. Cause it's going to, I think Multiverse news seems like it's becoming a, uh, you know, a big part of the network. A lot of people are, a lot of people followed over and uh, we really appreciate it. And if you have go do the same, follow over, subscribe and, uh, and he gives that five-star review over there. It's brand new, it's brand new Panda content and we're really excited about it. Um, so, uh, we'll be back soon guys. Peace. Until next time, true believers. Thank you for joining us for the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast. And a special thanks to all of our subscribers at patreon.com slash mcucast. You make this show possible. And a huge shout out to both. That's right, there's two of them now. Illuminati tier patrons, Walter Kreisky III and Lieutenant Bongo. Thank you, guys. If you want to find all of our fine Stranded Panda podcasts, go to strandedpanda.com. And for a video version, check out youtube.com slash strandedpanda. And if you want to take part in our live streams, go to twitch.tv slash strandedpandatv. 